Hi there, I'm Tom Schultz, host of Voices of Montana, an issue-oriented newsmaker radio program heard weekdays on 18 radio stations with 27 signals all across the Treasure State. Thanks for clicking on the podcast. Please subscribe and we'll do our best to keep you connected. We're also on Facebook at Voices of Montana and on the Internet at VoicesOfMontana.com, where I'd love to hear from you. Contact me at Tom at VoicesOfMontana.com. All right, going to be a good day. We've got a lot of things to talk about. One of them will be, where's all the snow? Although we're starting to get it now. Um, another one will be, uh, what's going on? What's, what's still for dinner? It's beef. Not only that, it's on the high school tables as well. Uh, Al Koning is here. Tyler Ford, as we'll talk about drones and agriculture. He's with RDO Equipment. Trent Stoltz, he's a board member of the Montana Farmers Union. We'll talk about precision ag, virtual fences. Look at, uh, we got CHS Mountain West. And we'll be talking a bit later on, too, about carbon cropping and carbon how that fits into um, into our egg economy. Yes, welcome to Friday here, Voices of Montana. We are live at the Mate Show, the Montana Egg Trade Exposition in Billings, Montana, on Voices today. So glad you're here. We're talking with Ed McIntosh. He's Montana's weatherman and uh, also Q2 meteorologist, MBS weather guy, too. And you host um, Classic Country Sunday, which I think is a great show. And you've been doing that for a lot of years. And uh, now that's kind of spreading to some different states. Too, yeah, yeah. Huh. if you're listening right now, uh, make sure that you stream us online, check it out. And then, you know, hey, <laughs> suggest it to your local radio station. There you know, you go. We'd love to be on. Oh, it's such an uh, audience engagement program as well and you you've been doing it now this started with you and Lonnie Lonnie Bell Lonnie a, Bell a who is a, yes a, a, he's in the country music uh, DJ Hall of Fame in Nashville Tennessee he started the program in 1985 I worked with him for years and then I took over the program but now it's really the listeners that steer the program they help us choose the songs that they want to hear so things that bring back great old memories things like that you can sing along with that's what we play on Sunday mornings how do you keep all that in your head where you know these songs and where they're at I think it's years of working with Lonnie. People yeah. will bring up songs, and I'm like, oh, I know what you want to hear. And people's memories, I mean, uh, it's just fun to be part of that and kind of just steer the program. Yeah, yeah. I, I'll listen to it, and you'll have a caller on, and they'll say, I don't know the name of this song, and I can't remember. It only goes like this. And they'll give you, like, about three or four words of that song, and you go, oh, I think I got that one. Well, I, I love it when they sing the song, too. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's, yeah, that's my favorite. It is good radio. It's very entertaining as well. Al Koenig's standing by. Al, stand by still a little bit. Uh, Montana Beef Council will talk about um, uh, a connection that you have with our high schools. Um, I want to get with you, Ed, about our weather a little bit. Uh, we're starting to see some snow in this Billings area. Um, it hasn't stuck until about now this year. Uh, people are looking you for a little more snow and you know you're just a messenger i'm gonna let them down too because i mean this system's clearing out of the state we still have a lot of travel concerns but the sun's breaking through we're going to get back into a warmer drier weather pattern all over again northern wyoming is going to see some of the snow push through i got an email this morning down to sheridan wyoming they say he was thrilled at six inches of snow on the ground Um, but now that this system is moving out it looks like the end of February, we're back into this warmer and drier weather pattern again. So we're going to be struggling for spring runoff. Do you see and recall when we've been this far behind in our snowpack, but had it catch up? In, you know, it, 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 can it can happen. There is a difference, though. If we start getting the snow earlier in the year, think about it like if you get the snow early and it gets, uh, it, it hangs around and you drive over it for a while and it gets packed down on your driveway. It takes forever for it to 
to leave. We start getting this late spring stuff. It doesn't have enough time to get packed down and really stick there long enough, so the spring runoff will still happen earlier in the year, even if we start getting a lot of this snow now, because it isn't compressed and it isn't going to be hanging into the mountains quite as long as it might be if it had fallen in November or December. What, what then, um, and everybody wants to know, and it's kind of hard to say because you still have months ahead to maybe gain some, but they're trying to anticipate uh, an impact uh, this year uh, for a lack of moisture. Um, what do you tell them? Well, right now, it's it's really in that it's too early to say. It really depends on how we do. Now, coming off an El Nino year, if you take a look historically, what we've seen is that usually the El Nino effect happens earlier. That's the warmer and drier. And then as it starts to ease up a little bit into the spring, we start to, oh, okay, maybe we can squeeze a little snow out of this before we're all done. So fingers are still crossed that we can get something out of it. Uh, I was working with one of the guys from the Weather Service uh, last week, and we were figuring there's a seven percent chance that we're going to have average snowfall for the mountains uh, by the time it's done but even if we can get a little bit closer to that it'll make a lot of difference you sound like you love your job i do yeah, yeah it's a I lot know. of fun yeah i'm happy for you in that that's, <laughs> that's like not working for a living that's right? right yeah and classic country sunday as well is uh, sort of the same thing another thing that you love so, i do yeah yeah um let's let's welcome al koenig with us here field specialist for the montana beef council al what's going on well, just enjoying a beautiful day in Billings here at the Mate Show. Thank you guys for having me on. Yeah, and uh, beautiful meaning uh, we got some snow out there. It's probably something that uh, near and dear to your heart as a member of the Beef Council. Got to have some moisture, don't you? Yes, sir. We were definitely looking dry there for a bit. Uh, glad to see some of this white stuff. I'm from over west of Bozeman towards Three Forks and our cow pastures, although we love seeing the green grass and being able to graze through December, we're starting to get pretty dry, and we're glad to see some heavy, wet Real uh, high moisture snow, so thank you, Ed, for yeah, that. That's Appreciate right. it. Yeah. yeah, he makes a lot of days, and then he ruins some days yeah. too. Um, but uh, Al, talk about your association now with the uh, the high schools because uh, beef um, with the Montana Beef Council. When uh, when you're looking at all those activities that high schoolers are doing, and kids are just full of energy as well, um, the, the protein and the, the the nutrients and beef really fits well with them, doesn't it? Absolutely. So we've got a really exciting new partnership with the Montana High School Association that is enabling us to power Montana high school athletes with the protein-packed goodness of beef. So as a former high school athlete myself, uh, I played basketball for the Belgrade High School Panthers back in the day. We're both looking up at him. Yeah, we we're on radio, so we can appreciate it. Like, yeah, basketball player. Yes, yeah, sir. Yep. He's, uh, he's got a good four inches on us, yeah. at least. Yeah. Well, I still got it. If you guys want to do a little pickup <laughs> game afterwards. Then... I know how to play D. All right. Yeah. Well, we'll uh, once once we're off here at 10, then I'll hold you to it. Heck, but... we'll do it now. Give me a ball. No. Good. But, yeah, we've, we our partnership with the High School Association, it's a brand-new program for the Beef Council, supported by dollar per head beef checkoff dollars but essentially what it's enabling us to do is not only get some education to these athletes who maybe don't come from a production agriculture background aren't familiar with cattle ranching in montana or in general and we get to educate them on the nutrient denseness and all of the abilities that beef has to be a fuel for their bodies to allow them for rest and recovery to build muscle and as also to uh, work in their minds in the classroom. So uh, beef is packed full of all the essential amino acids, and we just want to highlight that profile and all of the nutritional abilities that our favorite protein has, share that with these athletes so that hopefully they can go out in their communities, their careers, and express that to other people as they some of them go on to play college sports in 
other communities all across the country. And it's also a great, uh, a great partnership to get out into our communities, get in the schools, and give some actual protein that was provided by Montana farmers and ranchers to uh, the people who need it most. And that's our athletes, and we want to try and get it to them when they need it the most. So that's at the state tournament time. It's, it's March, so that means that all of our friends from our small communities all over the state, we're gathering in Billings, Bozeman, Great Falls, and it's district tournament time, and uh, yep. we're, we're all coming together to see friends and family, much like we are here at the Mate in Billings, and we're coming to cheer on our high school athletes and see who's going to take home the hardware, and we want, uh, want the winners to be powered by beef. So that's well, uh, that's been a big part of the uh, Montana, uh, the Montana Beef Council anyway, education about the, the health benefits of beef. So starting with the youth, whether they go on, uh, I mean, even if they just stay in their hometowns, this is something that they can use for the rest of their lives, right? Absolutely. So our educational portfolio is not only about the performance benefits for an athlete or somebody who's active in sports, but also for the student who goes on and they just are a student or they go join the workforce and their only connection to beef is knowing how to prepare it and how to make wholesome, healthy, nutritious meals for their families. So rather than just uh, highlighting the athletic performance benefits, we also want to make sure that you can make it taste good and have it be something that they incorporate into their daily lives as they build their families and, and want to feed them the best protein possible, which is, of course... Montana beef. <laughs> yes, exactly. And the, the thing about that is they love it. Everybody loves it, too. So it's not hard to get right. that across, I think. We have a great job. It's uh, We're very fortunate to have an easy product to sell. Montana loves beef. I love beef. And most everyone else would agree that uh, they have very similar thoughts and feelings as well. So it's it's a great Great position to be, for sure. We have Tyler Ford standing by, RDO Equipment. We'll talk about drones and agriculture. Give us a quick word on the BQA certification. Yeah, so we talked about um, not only on the education side for our athletes, but we also have an exciting initiative that we're doing for the second year with our Montana FFA chapters. So that's our Future Farmers of America. We've got uh, a, a drive where we're incentivizing chapters to have their students get their beef quality assurance certification and learn more about the process of raising beef and how it's produced here in Montana. And we're offering cash prizes to FFA chapters that get the most certifications for the large school categories, the AA and the A high schools, as well as the smaller schools, the B and the C schools. So the first place chapters that get the most certifications, they're going to win $500 for their chapter. And we're also offering a second place prize of $250 for the reserve champions in either division. So if you got any FFA students out there in your communities or you know an ag teacher at your high school, definitely encourage them to check that out and they can get some cash for their chapters for some awesome education. MontanaBeefCouncil.org for more information on that, Al. Yes, sir. Visit us for recipes, for information, um, check off ideas. All things beef, that's a great resource, MontanaBeefCouncil.org. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. yeah. Thank you Good very luck much with that. for that's, that's cool. And it is tournament time, you know, and I know uh, we cover a lot of tournament games ourselves. Those kids are always hungry. Right. Tournament time as well. So, And I know I am after <laughs> you get done about 9, 9.30 and you're ready for a, a big New York strip or something like that. So, Al, thank you. Appreciate that. We're going to switch over here now and uh, talk with Tyler Ford with RDO Equipment. And, uh, Tyler, good morning. How's it going? 
Good morning. Going great. How are you? Yeah, I'm doing good. How do you like mate? I love it. Look yeah. forward to it every year. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And why not? Because um, you have got like equipment, and, and that's just sort of the fun part, isn't it? To, uh, here, look at this bobcat. Here, look at this John Deere, right? Yeah, all kinds of new toys. Yeah, yeah. Um, what, what, when we talk about drones and agriculture, um, it seems like it's an emerging. Um, technology, but drones have been around a little while, uh, for quite a while, actually. They have been, yeah, and there's yeah. a lot of uses for them, uh, and they're you know definitely gaining popularity, and, and uh, farmers and ranchers in this area coming up with new uses for us all the time, so... Um, you know, everything from checking cattle from your back porch to if you want to measure the crop health, you know, and, and scan scan your entire crop and, uh, you know, be able to tell, say, uh, you know, how your fertilizer is working, uh, where you might need more or less uh, irrigation and um, all kinds of uses. So. Well, I think a lot of folks think of uh, drones sometimes. They see people having fun with them out and doing things. They were talking about serious work. Uh, what kind of training goes into being able to operate one and use it well? Are there certifications, training you need to do? There are, there's a pilot license required depending on how you're going to use it. You know, if you're essentially going to make money with it, uh, there's a new license that's required from the FAA now, and uh, we've got a lot of pilots on staff to be able to help you pass those types of exams. And uh, as far as training and learning how to fly the drones, are very easy. Um, a lot of them actually fly themselves, you know, so a lot of ways kind of take the fun out of it at times, you know, <laughs> but uh, uh, it's very easy to learn and get into and uh, very cost-effective, you know, the more the more the technology's out and been around, uh, you know, lower the prices are coming and, and more you're able to do with them. So Talk about then um, how they are employing that. You, you gave a list of a lot of ways that to me kind of uh, said, wow, I, I didn't know that you were using drones for like you talk about um, to measure the water in your 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 irrigation ditches sure yeah um talk about some of those applications so depending on what kind of payload you want to put in a uav uh, is going to kind of dictate what you can do with it so yeah. if you put a regular camera in it obviously you know inspecting and, and checking your fields and stuff like that you know i know a lot of agronomists uh use them to save a couple pair of boots throughout the summer you know and, and instead of walking around you just uh, do a lot more work in a hurry you know so if you just want a visual inspection that's a great way we can put uh, near infrared sensors on and th- you can tell by how reflective each individual leaf is how healthy it is essentially so um you know if you want to scan an entire field or, or we have tools to do large acreage in a hurry as well you know and, and be able to put it in a computer take a look and and tell you know from an aerial view where where you might need more work and what might need help and Ed, so. you have been like using drones i suppose in meteorology for quite some time right? absolutely you know and, and there's a lot of it uh, that they'll use to check a, a snowpack in in the winter time check terrain and check conditions like uh, like uh, tyler's talking about so uh, yeah i mean uh, and, and something as far as news gathering that we've been using for a while um, and i mean they're they're wonderful tools and um, and i think tyler mentioned too you were talking about that a lot of times uh producers come up with great new uses for them as time goes on absolutely yeah Yep. And that's, uh, that's a great thing about uh, the width of product line we have. You know, if you have a use case, we can most likely fit you with something that uh, can take care of what you're looking to get done. So. And you're talking drones that um, they're, they're not um, the whatever uh, NASA drones. They're drones that are accessible to people. And um, are they large? Uh, do they have lasers? Uh, I suppose, like you said, it depends on what kind of payload. But sure. um, I think there's the sky's the limit for them absolutely right? we carry everything from you know tri-rotor copters just three rotors on a on a smaller bird and then we have larger fixed wing aircraft that can scan about 400 acres in less than an hour and they're you know almost as big a wingspan as i have you know wow. so five or six feet you know, it's... <laughs> do you have drones that can get other drones out of trees 
No, not not yet. No. <laughs> okay, we still have to work on <laughs> yeah, that one. Yeah. Yeah, I'm still working on the sky's the limit for drones, Tom. I yeah, that was right. funny. Yeah. 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 Good stuff. Thank you. <laughs> hey, uh, I appreciate you coming in, Tyler. Anything else? I mean, uh, what else is going on with RDO? This, like you said, we, it's made. It's got to be the funnest thing uh, that, that you do. Uh, well, so one of the fun things. We're yeah. mostly known as uh, being a John Deere dealership. Uh, so we have John Deere construction equipment, but I deal mostly with survey equipment like total stations and GPS equipment, uh, lasers, just really anything technology is kind of my wheelhouse. House and uh, yeah, that's so that ties right in with the drone technology. Absolutely, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. Where are you guys at here? Uh, we are in the the west side of the building. You, you won't have to. You won't have to look far because yeah, look, look for, for a giant the, orange drone. There you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> You'll find me. Yeah, Tyler. Thanks, man. Thanks for thanks stopping for by. Good me. to see yep. you. We'll talk carbon. We'll talk pipeline safety a bit later on. We'll talk everything ag here this morning as we're live from Meet the Montana Agri Trade Exposition as part of Nile and uh, with. Ed McIntosh, Montana's weatherman, Q2 meteorologist here uh, as well. Ed, I really appreciate uh, working with you. It's so much fun. David Allen stopped by real quick, too, and he's the new Nile general manager. Good morning, David. Oh, good morning. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Hey, I'm with my hero here. I know. <laughs> this is, I told Ed, I said, I don't go to sleep at night until you're until you speak and if you don't if you're not on that night i don't sleep well and so, to which ed said he said um, bless you my son sleep than anybody else <laughs> yeah. around the state yeah. right, right. <laughs> um, how's mate going this year tell me about it's it it's going very well i mean yesterday i think was uh, pretty strong given the weather we started with and everything and today looks like it should be really good and tomorrow ought to be crawling with people so it's going really well. The, the number of vendors is very encouraging. So Nile owns Mate, and I found I didn't know that till I got into this position. But uh, Mate is the single biggest piece of Nile too. So it's extremely critical to all of Nile overall. And and I view our mission as being an ag advocate, basically. Is you boil it right down. That's and uh, so. We're going to work on being more uh, of an advocate for ag and the Western lifestyle. There isn't a better time for it. Well, congratulations, first off, well, thank on you. the position. Thank you. Uh, is there anything since you joined Nile that, that you've been surprised by that just kind of took you back? You said, wow, that's kind of cool. Uh, mate, mate was one of them. I mean, when I you know interviewed and then when I got into it and obviously started going through budgets and whatnot, I'm like, Wow, my uh, mate does that, and it's really strong. So that that was my pleasant surprise <laughs> to find that out. I've only been on the job a week, so I don't know much. So uh, well, I know I, look I know like you I know, know something, or you wouldn't be. Well, yeah. yeah, I know you now. So, yeah. <laughs> what What do you think um, as you look uh, in, into the future, so to speak? And yes, you, sir. I don't think you you uh, be pointed this position if you didn't have some vision for ag and for Nile yes. in the future. What is yeah. that? Well, <clears throat> again, I think it's ag is cool. Ag is relevant. I mean, that should be our overall message in so many ways that it's this part of the country and uh, from Canada to mid Wyoming and from big timber to somewhere in North and South Dakota is our whole footprint. I see is Nile and you, you're not going to exist in that uh, without an ag influence of some right. sort. And, well, I think with our youth, too, I mean, the, yes. that what you just said, ag is cool, ag is relevant. Yes. That's something that, that they, I think Niall can help with, yes? Well, we, we need to be one of the leading voices of that, and our youth need to hear that. And I'm not talking about farm and ranch kids. That's the low-hanging fruit. Mm-hmm. You know, that's preaching to the choir. 
But these kids in town need to understand and need to know, well, frankly, so do some adults. I mean, and, and I mean that in a, you know, a, a positive way. They need to understand what ag really is. It, it isn't just um, harvest in the fall and blah, blah, blah. I mean, this is a 12-month, 365-day-a-year ordeal, and, and, and it's big business. Look around in here. Right. Holy cow. Yeah. You know, I mean, you're... You're not running it on a small budget nowadays, so. Yeah, yeah. Uh, thanks for doing that. Um, you know, we'll be in touch down the road. Absolutely. Uh, and uh, looking forward to supporting Ag <clears throat> in a lot of ways around here, too. And, and appreciate you uh, taking on the job and, yeah. and moving the ball and the needle forward. We're going to have some major things to come back and chat about here in, in a while. Oh. Some, yeah. We want to talk about them. Yeah, 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 we will, absolutely. All right, thank you, David. Appreciate <laughs> thank that. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. David Allen, again, the uh, new general manager for Nile. Going to take a few minutes here and switch over. Trent Stoltz is standing by, board member of the Montana Farmers Union. He's got a presentation here at 10 o'clock, Technology and Agriculture. Hey, uh, Trent, good morning. How's it going? Good, you? Ah, I think we're doing okay. Ed. Yeah, well, yeah. thank you for coming over. I, you know, if I was going to give a presentation at 10 o'clock, I think my head would be there. So thanks for taking the time to be here with us today. You bet. What's the heart of your presentation? What's the heart when you talk about virtual fence and precision ag? Well, uh, it's basically just a presentation. We did virtual fence last year, um, so I've been asked several times to talk about it. Um, We ran about 300 yearlings. Um, We ran them in 100 to 80 to 100 acre pastures. Really? Um, Basically, you have to put, we put them in a pen, trained them on with an electric fence so they they kind of learned with the electric fence we had the the satellite you build a satellite and then you put a collar around each cow's neck then you we built an electric fence as the cow gets closer to the fence it beeps 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 when she gets to the border it'll give her a shock so it's kind of along the same idea as if you have a family pet and you put one yep. of the fences up and you, you block out the areas but it must be a lot more complicated when you're dealing with a big piece of real estate yeah, it, it was, um, and we got pretty good compliance out of them. Um, we made a lot of mistakes, but uh, the colors last us about three months, and we were able to graze, uh, put them up on hilltops that hadn't been grazed in quite a while. You could see, you know, old dead grass up there. We were able to lock them up there for 24 hours, and they ate it down, trampled it down really well. Um, few things you can do we did to save uh batteries on them you know we would build the virtual fence on the outside border of an existing fence because the more they bump into it the quicker it's going to uh run out of juice because the call the caller is administering a shock it sounds like if uh, folks maybe heard your talk last year you can come back and you could learn a lot more this year because it sounds like you've learned a lot in the last 12 months though it was a it was a huge learning curve, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we built the satellite ourselves. Uh, it took us several tries because we have yearlings um, to get the collars right uh, because there's so much growth in them. Right. Um, there was a few times we didn't give the collars long enough to communicate with the satellite and tried moving them and ended up in a train wreck. So, yeah, it was a huge learning curve just figuring out um, the little quirks and everything else, but... Uh, I think we'll be better at it as and you, time goes on. You got to have somebody like Trent to go through those uh, learning curves, so uh, <laughs> you know, learn the hard way, so to speak, so we can get smarter about it, right? Well, that's true. Yeah, we can. We can. 
cite many examples where we messed up. <laughs> what, um, uh, we got 30 seconds here. So yeah. people want to catch this at 10 o'clock today. Yep. Uh, where can they catch it at? Over in the other building. I can't remember what it's called. The pavilion uh, over there? The pavilion. Okay. Yep, yep. back in the... On the right-hand side. Okay. Um, they have a little theater set up, and there's other people, Pat Wheeler from Frontline Egg, huh? a gal from CMB, and DM Hikem from what used to be Triangle Egg, all speaking more on farming technology. I uh, look forward to it then. Break a leg, okay? All right. Thanks, Appreciate guys. Thanks. Trent Stoltz, board member, Montana Farmers Union. Ed McIntosh with us, Montana's weatherman. Good morning again, Ed. Good morning. Thanks for having me here, Tom. Oh, you're adding to the fun and, and uh, the excitement here. A bit later on, Kelsey Miller is going to join us. Now, the show doesn't open until 10 o'clock, and so uh, the mate show, we, that's where we're at right now, a bit Montana Agri-Trade Exposition. And, uh, but there's a lot of things lining up here, too. We've got Kelsey Miller. She's an agronomist, and we'll talk about um, – she's with the um, Agoro Carbon Alliance. We'll talk about that a bit later on. But first, Michelle Slider stops by from a CHS. A compliance manager. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, Tom. Thanks for having me. Thanks for being here. Uh, what are you guys doing here at MATE? Well, we are here representing Montana 811 today. I work for CHS. As you know, one of the largest uh, cooperatives in the United States, yeah. farmer-owned. But we are here representing 811, and really we're just trying to get the message out about calling before you dig to keep our egg partners safe. So. I think a lot of times folks think it's a pretty remote area. Oh, there's nothing here. (laughs) I mean, that's where we get into trouble? That is where we get into trouble. You know, (laughs) I would say that nine times out of ten, that is exactly what happens. I was born and raised here, grew up on the farm. I know where everything's at. You know, I I thought I knew where everything was at. And um, ultimately, you know, things can change. The depth of cover can change. And, you know, a call to 811, it's a free call. We'll be out there. We'll get the asset marked. We'll work with you to keep it safe. And there's really no reason not to do it because it's truly a risk management tool. You know, I, I'm a small producer myself. I'm a voting member in our co-op. And, you know, when I look at the, the value of 811, it's really around risk management. Even if you think you know where everything's at, the liability, if you get it wrong, is too huge. So from my perspective, a quick call to 811, we get out there, we mark the, the underground utilities, everybody's safe, and you minimize your risk. So. And you're you're past vice president of eight one one, sort of the call before you dig uh, phone number, so to speak. Um, how how long has um, that been going on? It seems like in my mind, I I, I don't even want to put um, a hole in the ground uh, without thinking about what am I getting underneath it. But it's still it, you still run into trouble, huh? Yeah, we do. We do still run into trouble. Eight one one has been around since about the nineteen eighties, um, and we've been servicing Montana since that time. And um, as utilities, you know, every member or every utility in the state has to be a member of one call um, with underground buried assets. Um, so, you know, it's, it's been here to keep people safe for a long time. You would think by now the message would be out, but we do still have people, again, they have that mentality. I think I know where things at. I've already had this marked before, and so they just fail to call. Can you think of a past story that maybe would just get you thinking about yeah, it? Yeah, make it really bad. I, I can, well, well, I can actually give you one, one experience in my life that, that really touched me. Um, so we had a call come in for an, a utility line installation out in North Dakota. Um, we met them on site. We located it. They actually staked the right of way. They were putting in some lines from a gas well to another facility. And they staked their path. We knew where they were going. We went out. We hydrovacked it. We did everything right. Like, you follow every piece of the law, right? They called. We came out. We met. We planned. We marked. We actually exposed it with the hydrovac. And then the farmer came out, and the path that they had staked and had planned to put it went right through one of his windbreaks. And he came up the day they were digging, 
and we knew where they were crossing us. We were exposed. We didn't have to be there because we knew they knew where they were going. And he asked them, please don't go through there. And they routed 373 feet around and hit our pipeline. Mm. And so just those types of decisions every day that we, you know, we don't really take into account, you can't plan for, those things can happen too. I have to ask, what happens when you hit a pipeline? (laughs) Hopefully you don't puncture it, but then I know, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So so you you think about a pipeline, you think the worst case is that that rupture scenario, right? Like where you hit a pipeline and and you have a major release. And that truly is. It's dangerous to the person involved. It's, it's, you know, something that requires cleanup in the environment. There's other things that are implications with that. But actually, even just damaging the coating on a pipeline is critical. So all pipelines have a protective coating. We put a charge on the pipeline to keep it from corroding. Um, you know, metal naturally corrodes when it's exposed to the atmosphere, right, to the environment. So we put the charge on it. Well, when you damage that coating, it increases the potential for corrosion. So even if you think, all I did was nick that coating, I don't need to call and tell them about it, you do. We need to know about it. We'll come out. We'll do a repair. We'll get it taken care of. We need to be partners in it. We need to work together. And so from the smallest to the, you know, small scale to large scale, uh, they're equally as potentially damaging in the long run. Yeah, it's for your own safety and for everybody's safety. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah. Thank you for that. And it's uh, not hard to uh, to dial up and get that ordered either, is it? What What do you call? What's that number again? So we call eight one one. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We always we always say call eight one one, so nobody has to call nine one one, right? <laughs> I mean, but the reality is, we we have a free phone number. You can go on to the internet, go to Montana eight one one, and you can file a locate straight from there. You can even map it out yourself. You don't even have to talk to individuals anymore. If if you're confident and you want to map out your own property, I think that's the other challenge we do see in Montana is when you make that call to 811 and you're like, okay, I'm eight miles from the intersection of this, by the windmill, and hang a left at the two track, and just picture this person sitting in a computer. I don't know what's wrong with that. I, you know, you can't, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't see any of it, right? Because we all live, I mean, I don't know the name of any streets. I can just tell you it's three miles past that, hang a left and go there. And, and so, that's the challenge we have yeah. in rural Montana, trying to map it right. So we've now given the tools to the people that own the property to go ahead and map their own locates. Wow. The other thing we've done, we've done a lot to work with Egg to try to to try to improve relationships and get them using it. You know, um, the Egg exemption for anything that's shallow in depth, you know, so that we know it's not going to hit something. We've given them the latitude to go ahead and do those shallow things less than 12 inches. They didn't used to have that. It was supposed to be yeah. everything you did that disturbed ground required to locate. Um, you know, we, we've given them a broader timeline so that if they want to call ahead, you know, a lot of it is you don't know what day you're going to do the work in the egg industry, right? That's yeah. our big challenge. Yeah. So if you can go ahead and call it in a little early, you know, like, well, it's supposed to be dry next week. I might get out there. Call it in. You know, we have a life of a ticket. I, I don't recall. I've been away from it for a couple of years now. But, you know, three weeks to a month, we're still working with you on it. As long as you maintain those marks, just get the call in and you can go to work whenever you're ready. It doesn't have to be I need to call two days before I start. You need to call at least two days before you start. More information at chsmountainwest.com. Michelle, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Yeah, Yeah. Keep us safe, okay? All right. Don't forget to call before you dig. There you go. 811. Thanks, guys. Michelle Slatter from CHS. Kelsey Miller joins us here. Uh, uh, She's an agronomist, uh, carbon cropping and sustainability is her focus at Agoro. I'm having a rough time saying that sometimes. I don't know why. Agoro Carbon Alliance. How are you today? I'm good, Tom. Thanks for having me back. Uh, Agoro Carbon Alliance. Agoro means, it's Greek for a gathering place to exchange ideas. Agoro. Agoro. Oh, 
Well, heck, I like that already. Uh, yeah, I do too. And okay, I, so are you gathering ideas about carbon? Is that where the focus is right now? Absolutely. So Agoro Carbon Alliance is a nature-based carbon capture company. So we work with ranchers and farmers all across the country and in Brazil, actually, to help improve their soil and create carbon credits. What? What's that like? I mean, Ed and I, Ed yeah. and I, we were, we're, we're looking at you with a blank we stare. We have no idea about what the carbon market is and how it even works. And I suppose we're not alone in that regard. No, absolutely not. But you do know how carbon works because the sun shines, the plants photosynthesize CO2 out of the air, and they're putting it into their plant tissues as carbohydrates. And through their root exudates, they can feed all the microbiology in the soil through sugar, right? Carbon, carbohydrates, sugars. Mm-hmm. Okay, so how do you bank in on that? There you go. That's the question. (laughs) Well, farmers and ranchers who are stewarding rangelands in Montana, say where I work, you know, they know that that functioning system is capturing sunlight and sequestering carbon all the time. And really, we're just working with that system to make it work better. So those look like soil health projects, perhaps fencing, water, maybe they're doing a seeding or a fertility project, anything like that in a Montana rangeland setting is going to really stimulate that microbiology and the plant growth, and they're going to sequester more and more carbon. And once that carbon's in the ground, our project is going to work with that producer to sell those carbon credits. So we measure it in the soil through soil sampling. We go out year zero, year five, and year 10. And so we're going to prove that that soil has sequestered that CO2 in the form of carbon. So we can monetize that and sell it on the producer's behalf. Um, and then we're going to tell the story of this producer. You know, one thing I love about Agoro Carbon Alliance and one thing that fights the misconceptions about carbon and carbon programs, you know, we don't tell the producer how to ranch or farm. Um, first of all, they know how to do it better. Uh, that would be a really inefficient system. And they're not going to listen anyway if no. you tell them this is what you need to, you know. Yeah, and carbon programs, you know, they're incentives to help overcome these financial barriers for them mm. to d- transition to regenerative agriculture. Mm. But the soil health is really what's going to make them the money and improve their operation and their profit- profitability. Carbon programs and carbon financing, as it's sometimes called, you know, this money they're getting for these offsets that are really coming from the consumers of these corporations who are demanding it. Yes. But that money is really just meant to to help them make that transition. These are costly and risky endeavors. You know, it's a it's a big boys poker game. So you're like an investment banker for dirt. <laughs> is that, I love that. Okay. Except we don't call it dirt. Okay. That's a four letter word. It's soil. <laughs> ah, okay. <laughs> All right. Yeah. It's not not every soil I can imagine is is suitable for carbon sequestration, right? Um, Well, what I think you're meaning is some soils are going to sequester it faster than others. Mm -hmm. Um, Montana has a lot of arid areas, and in the west, we have some poor soils, poor organic material soils. So really, there's a huge opportunity there to get that system up and running again. And when it is up and running, boy, we really can sequester a lot of carbon. On the other end of the spectrum, I hear people say, you know, I'm all fenced up, I'm watered up, we've been running this ranch for five generations, you know, and they kind of occlude themselves from participating because there's this thing in carbon markets called additionality. And we need to say that this money we're incentivizing you is going to cause you to have put carbon in the soil that wasn't there otherwise. And so if they're saying, like, oh, my system's working well, but we know producers are making changes, monitoring the rangelands, improving their soil health every year. So soils aren't necessarily at their maximum. Um, they can always, those systems are working really well and sequestering carbon really quickly too. So it sounds like even though you're not 
telling producers how to do things, producers can share information with each other to maybe make a better situation in their particular case? Absolutely. And Montana's great, and Wyoming, the West, for not gatekeeping. You know, people are really willing to share. One thing that Agoro really offers, um, I'm an agronomist on our grower success team. So over our 10-year contracts, I am the one that can help consult in those projects. And it's really just this free flow of information. They come with me with ideas. I can give them some science and supporting information. Um, I'll kind of collect their small amount of data we require every year help them with the monitoring and bring tools to them. But really, it, they're the arbiter of what happens on their ranch. Are, are they um, sequestering carbon in, in lands that um, will produce only certain amounts or types of crops, or is it mostly on uh, sort of uh, just a cover crop lands? What is, uh, what su- how does it come together, sequestration and ag production? So I'd say it, it's happening wherever plants are growing. Agoral has a a row crop program and a range and pasture program. And a lot of carbon programs, people really think of the Midwest and corn and soybeans um, and and precision ag, they sort of think the same thing. You know, these are high-tech tools and and kind of a very expensive game. Um, In our area, a lot of it looks like low-input systems, building systems around things that are free. Cows are grazing non-farmable land, those kind of things. But we really work all across the nation with and meet producers wherever they're at. If if a producer is listening and they're like, look, I I still don't quite get this. I'm not quite sure if this is for me. What do you recommend? What's their first step? Well, it would be really quick for someone with 500 acres or more. They can calculate their carbon potential at agorocarbon.com. Really, I I would say carbon markets in general, just, just... Think of those kitchen table conversations you're having with your with your stakeholders or your family, with your ranch manager, whoever. What are the projects that you want to do? And look at how we can stack revenue. You know, there's lots of resources out there. NRCS, there's programs with NGOs where we can get seed. Um, I love helping our producers stack that revenue, but, but there's a lot of options. Yeah, and it's still relatively new, so uh, there's still probably a lot of discovery yet to be done. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, but sometimes you get there's a little bit of the fear of missing out, right? Because mm-hmm. if you're going to have a good idea, and really it's about making those changes on your pasture, the best time to do it was 10 years ago. The uh-huh. second best time is probably today. <laughs> Kelsey Miller again. It's a, and what does agoral mean? One more time. <laughs> it's a, a gathering place to exchange ideas. Love that agoral carbon alliance. And it's again, kind of like this show. Yeah. Oh, thank you, Ed. Well. Agoralcarbonalliance.com for more information. Thank you. Appreciate thank you that, so Kelsey. Much, Great Tom. stuff. Hey, Ed. I appreciate you too, man. Uh, Let's do it again, okay? Yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Take care. Thanks again for joining us for the podcast. Please share and subscribe and let us know what you think. Email me at tom at voicesofmontana.com. And don't forget, we're on weekdays on your hometown radio stations all across Montana. We hope to hear from you there too.